4: This is World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. I am your host, Nate Abrea. Thank you all so much for subscribing to us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. A very special hello to the men and women overseas listening on the American Forces Network. The website, worldsoccertalk.com. The Twitter, at World Soccer Talk, at Sports Byline USA for updates on the show, and if you want to call me as someone recently did on twitter the diego costa of the radio waves i'm gonna take that as a compliment i know how i know what you meant by that out there you crazy twitter's feared jargon and having you know what i know what you meant by that i know what you were trying to do i'm gonna take that as a grand compliment the diego costa of the radio waves i mean i score goals and occasionally i get under a few people's skin hey goes. It is a pleasure and a privilege to be with you as always right here on World Soccer Talk Radio, and we've got a show that I'm quite excited for, Conradinho, a.k.a. Jimmy Conrad. That's right, one of the best defenders in Major League Soccer history, a U.S. men's national team World Cup veteran, started his MLS career with my beloved San Jose Clash. That's right, we're going back to the 90s with the San Jose Clash. He Played with the Quakes for a while, and then he really made his name with the Kansas City Wizards. And so I love it. Of all MLS matchups to be going on today, as Jimmy Conrad is right here with yours truly on World Soccer Talk Radio, the San Jose Earthquakes are playing Sporting Kansas City today. I just, I, I find that so perfect. I almost want to say the Clash are playing the Wiz today out there in KC, Kansas. That is quite, quite fine that that matchup is going on today. Cannot wait to get the conversation going with Conradinho, and we're going to talk all about his playing career with the club's with the U.S. Men's National Team and, of course, his media work with those fine folks over at KICK TV. Talk about developing a personality in a very short time span. Jimmy Conrad has got so much personality over there at KICK TV. Hey, all you Manchester United fans that that accuse me of being so hateful of your club, I just want to remind you in the last two weeks we've had... Three Manchester United writers that dedicate their writing to Manchester United on this show. So you're welcome for that. And you know what? Another tip of my cap to Memphis Depay because I keep watching the goals and they get better and better and better. I don't care if they were against Bruges. I don't care if they're against a pub side. Did you see that brace? What a performance. Good on you, Memphis. Cheers to you. Conradinho with us on the other side of the break. World Talk Talk Radio.
3: See the world's best matches. Live, wherever you are, with Fox Soccer to go. Watch select live matches on your smartphone, on your tablet, and on your computer. Get the app, get the games, and get your fix. Live soccer and more. Anytime,
5: anywhere. Sign up to watch the Bundesliga and Champions League at SoccerOnDish.com.
4: Are you sick and tired of cable and satellite prices going up and up and up? If you're a sports fan like me, one of the main reasons you're keeping your TV subscription is to watch ESPN. But did you know that you can cut the cord, cancel your TV subscription and watch ESPN live and legally on your computer, tablet, Roku or phone and save a ton of money? With a subscription to Sling TV, you can watch all the ESPN, ESPN2, TNT, TBS, and AMC that you want. Plus, you also get the SEC Network, ESPN Bases Loaded, ESPN Buzzer Beater, Univision, and much more. From Sports Center to Hoops, Sling TV has got the best in live sports action and commentary. And today, you can get a free seven day trial to Sling TV just by going to SlingMyTV.com. Again, to get a seven-day free trial to Sling TV, go to SlingMyTV.com today. That's
5: SlingMyTV.com. If you're a soccer fan and you want to cut the cord and watch more of the beautiful game, NGSN may be the online streaming service you're looking for. FreeSoccerTrial.com. With NGSN, you get live, legal, and on-demand access to matches from the Eredivisie, Divisi, J League from Japan, K League from Korea, Argentina's Primera Division, Portugal, Ecuador, Russian Premier League, as well as leagues from Bolivia, Venezuela, and more. The games are in HD, and commentaries are available in your choice of English or Spanish, and this is a completely new and legal way to watch soccer games in the U.S., Try it, and I think you'll be impressed. All you have to do is go to freesocertrial.com and sign up today for your free 30-day trial to NGSN. Again, that's freesocertrial.com freesocertrial.com Cheers.
6: We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago.
1: If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's
3: leading memory foam brand.
0: Call 1-800-414-1051. That's
6: 1-800-414-1051. 1-800-414-1051. Call
4: now. Nate Alvarez, back here with you on World Soccer Talk Radio, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Tweet us at World Soccer Talk and tweet me at NateWST. I said I'm real stoked for this edition of World Soccer Talk Radio. That is because we are joined by a man affectionately known as Conradinho. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much for coming on, sir. How you doing?
2: I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. It's uh I think it's my first time on the show, so I'm a little nervous, I'll be honest.
4: Hey, well, to well let's this get now. this <laughs> Let's get this thing right underway. I want to talk with you about your playing career and your, your media work and, and your work with Kick TV. And so we'll start by talking about your club career. We'll move to the stage with the U.S. men's national team, and then we'll talk all about uh, that, those wonderful folks over there at Kick TV. So I, I was looking through this thing, and I'm thinking where to start as far as the club career. You played college soccer at San Diego State. You transferred to UCLA in 1997. You won a national championship uh, with the uh-huh. Bruins. And then in the year 1999, you go undrafted by MLS, and you end up linking up with the San Diego Flash of the A-League, where you were a a teammate of one Joe Cannon. And uh, there were a couple of people here. Uh, named Brian Quinn, a, a Northern Irishman who was the uh, head coach <laughs> of the San Jose Clash. And there was a man by the name of Ralph Wilhelms, a German gentleman, who was the head coach of the aforementioned San Diego Flash. Now, those two gentlemen played together way back when for the San Diego Soccers. And yeah. they, had a fo- they had a couple of phone calls between them. And I was wondering, would you care to kind of tell us what happened next after those uh, few phone calls between Quinn and Wilhelms back in 99?
2: Well, I don't know exactly uh, where you're taking this, but I will say that um, Brian Quinn um, was coached, you said the earthquakes, and Wilhelms had left us as coach about halfway through the season to join a Hungarian team uh, in the first division over there, and you know he thought it was a good opportunity, so he took it. We really didn't have a coach, so we coached ourselves and we won 18 out of 20 games and lost in the semifinals to Minnesota. Um, well, was like a remarkable achievement, and I'm just saying that because I'm often awesome at shamelessly self-promoting myself. <laughs> and, um, and, and it was just like one of my favorite times playing because none of us made any money. We just played because we loved to play. Uh, and it was very genuine and pure, and I look back on that time very fondly. But I know that Brian Quinn uh, had a call and said, hey, you know, we know that Jimmy's having a good year down in San Diego. You know, what did you think of him? And apparently Ralph said some good stuff, and, and I ended up in San Jose. I played in a friendly against Toluca. At the end of ninety, is at the end of '98, and then I signed with San Jose um, in like February of '99.
4: So let's jump forward now a couple of years. Uh, Yours truly, I grew up down in the Santa Cruz area, diehard Clash and and Quakes fan growing up. So I remember this 2001 season quite fondly, the the MLS Mm -hmm. Cup champion season uh, for the Quakes. And you were part of It was such an amazing team. And I want to talk with you all about that right now. When you think back to that season, that championship season in 01 for the Quakes, what are some of the best memories for you? What are some of the memories that, that come to mind first?
2: Well, a few, actually. I remember... We, have, we were the worst team in the league in 2000, the year before. Lothar Oceano was our coach. I thought he did a good job. We just were kind of in that transition of our younger guys weren't mature enough, like myself, and maybe Wade Barrett and Joe Cannon and Richard Mulroney. And our older guys were getting a little bit older, like John Doyle, Dan Couch come up. <clears throat> good players, but we're starting to get past their prime, let's say, and we weren't ready for our prime yet. But then the following year, we're all in like our third or fourth years. Um, we were all really hungry. We won the Landon Donovan sweepstakes. When he came back from Bayer Leverkusen, uh, he, he joined San Jose. Uh, Frank Yallop was in his first year as a coach. Dom Caner was our assistant. You know, just a lot of quality guys that were hungry, had a lot to prove. I ended up getting hurt, so we brought in Troy Dyack. We we had Jeff Agius. I mean, our team was stacked. I mean, Dwayne De Rosario, who's going to go down as one of the best players in MLS history, he couldn't get off our bench. You know, I don't even think he played every <laughs> game, but he was like our he was like our super sub. He ended up scoring the game-winning goal in the, in the final to help us win MLS Cup. So uh, it was a really, really special year. I think everybody's mindset was the same. We were all hungry hungry to prove that we could you know, be something special. And everybody had their own individual stories of something to prove. And then collectively, as a team, we wanted to rebound from having that the poor season the year before. So uh, it just all kind of clicked at the right time. We all played really well, played for each other. And it was a really special year.
4: Well, you bring up the names. You bring up Landon. You bring up Jeff A. Goose. I mean, there's so many others. Eddie Robinson, Ramiro Carrera. Yeah. Yeah. Jr. Agogo was on that team. And uh, Gogo, Ronald yeah. Cerritos, also a great San Jose fan favorite. Where does that team rank for you with, with the clubs and even national teams that, that you, national squads uh, that you played for? Where does that 01 Quakes team rank when you really look back on it?
2: Well, uh, it's got to be up there with one of the top teams I've ever played on. When you look at us on paper and looked at, at that point, you didn't know, you know, what maybe what I was going to do. You probably didn't think I would make the national team and play in a World Cup and, and all X, Y, and Z. But if you look at everybody's career after that season, Landon's included, uh, you knew that that, if you look at paper, I mean, it's it's really, really strong. And back at that time, you had to make, we only had an 18-man roster at that point. You weren't having all these, right. you know, six to eight extra guys, all these young players, uh, development players. None of that existed yet. <clears throat> they hadn't created those rules yet. So you had 18, 18 players, and all 18 had to be good. And you had to play, be ready to play in multiple competitions and play in friendlies and open cup and all that good stuff. And, I was hurt for the – I broke my foot, so I was out for the first eight weeks. And when I came back and started to get healthy, I would watch practice every day And day. I'm like, man, these guys are really good. Like, this is a <laughs> really good team. I don't, know, I don't know how I'm getting back into this team. And it was, a, it was a good challenge for me to have to rise to the level. And we went on – because when I got back and were healthy, we went on like a 19-game unbeaten streak, and I couldn't get back into the team. And, and for me personally, that was a, a challenge to figure out my way, my role. I mean, I – Obviously, had my most success as a center back, but I got back into the team as a right back. And, and that was a good learning experience for a lot of different reasons. But, but uh, yeah, I was just, just solid from my like player one all the way to player 18. And uh, a really special team. So, I'd say it's up there with, with one of the best. Well, I'm, I'm biased, extremely biased, but one of the best of all time that I've been associated with.
4: <laughs> I'm right there with you. The 0-1 Quakes, one of the best teams of all time. Absolutely. Of all time. Yeah, we well, might as
2: well just say it, just, just get it out there, lay it on the table. <laughs>
4: Hey, now, now, two thousand three. You, you go to Kansas City, and and this is where your career really launches to the next level in in a lot of ways. And what I want to know is what happened when you look back on on that transition to Kansas City for you. What happened in that spell in KC that really did propel you to that next level? And of course, go into the national team a few years later. What happened in KC? Yeah,
2: great question. So when I got traded, I was playing. Like I said, I played a lot of right back. Um, with San Jose, or in the first two years before Frank got in there that I played, uh, we played about back three. So we had two markers and a sweeper for the most part. Very uh, traditional way of playing, very American way, of, I think, of playing. I know that some top club teams do it, but it kind of transitions from a three to a five. I don't know if we were that tactically astute, but what, when I played uh, one of the, kind of the, not the sweeper, but one of the marking backs, I just, did, for me, it was grunt work. I just would follow the other forward around and just kick them and slow them down and just don't lose the ball <laughs> and go in the other direction. And it was very, very basic and very simple and very college soccer-ish um, in, in a way. And I just thought, hey, this isn't. I mean, this is cool, and I'm glad I'm, I'm a professional. I'm getting not paid much, but I get to play professionally and say I play professionally. But I wanted, there was something more. And when I ended up getting, so I moved to right back when I went to the back four, and I just still didn't feel like that was my best best position, but I wanted to be on the field. So I would play whatever. And then when I got traded to Kansas City, we had Preki. Now, Precky's going to go down. Another player is going to go down. as one of the best in MLS history. And because we put him in the midfield, we needed two defensive mid, midfielders behind him because he just didn't defend. And we didn't want him to defend. You don't want your most creative players spending any, any, any extra energy other than creating and attacking. So we put two defensive midfielders in there. So we played a 3 5 2. So again, I go to Kansas City. I'm doing the, the grunt work. Well, unfortunately for Preki, uh, I guess for, somewhat fortunately for me, he broke his leg one of the grossest things I've ever seen in preseason against Columbus in Florida at the beginning of '04. And when once he went out, we went, we went to a back four. I played at the center back position, and then I just took off. Um, I finally played in the spot that I knew that I was best suited to play. I got a lot of confidence from that. And then, then we had a great run in '04. <clears throat> we won the open cup and lost in the final, unfortunately, in MLS lost up. I got called in my first national team camp at the end of '05. I was a best 11, all-star, you name it, um, from that point on. Um, for, like, the next six or seven years until, um, you know, the other younger guys started to, not necessarily on my team, but around the league, started to supplant me in some of the big awards. But, but I had a nice run there, and it's always because I ended up playing the position I was best suited for.
4: Well, uh, I think one of the most impressive things and something that's not too common in Major League Soccer to this day, and that is uh, a long spell, a long tenure, a tenure of longevity with a single team. And you stayed with Kansas City from 03 all the way to 2010 and definitely a uh, Kansas City fan favorite to this day, Jimmy Conrad. And we're going to talk about that 05 Gold Cup with the U.S. Men's National Team, the 2006 World Cup, and a certain match between the USA and Mexico in the Febu- February <laughs> of t- On the other side of this break, Nate Abarea here with Conradinho on World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned.
3: See the world's best matches live wherever you are with Fox Soccer to go. Watch select live matches on your smartphone, on your tablet. And on your computer, get the app, get the games, and get your fix. Live soccer and more, anytime,
5: anywhere. Sign up to watch the Bundesliga and Champions League at SoccerOnDish.com.
4: Are you sick and tired of cable and satellite prices going up and up and up? If you're a sports fan like me, one of the main reasons you're keeping your TV subscription is to watch ESPN. But did you know that you can cut the cord, cancel your TV subscription, and watch ESPN live and legally on your computer, tablet, Roku, or phone and save a ton of money? With a subscription to Sling TV, you can watch all the ESPN, ESPN2, TNT, TBS, and AMC that you want. Plus, you also get the SEC Network, ESPN Bases Loaded, ESPN Buzzer Beater, Univision, and much more. From sports center to hoops, Sling TV has got the best in live sports action and commentary. And today, you can get a free seven-day trial to Sling TV just by going to SlingMyTV.com. Again, to get a seven-day free trial to Sling TV, go to SlingMyTV.com today. That's SlingMyTV.com.
5: If you're a soccer fan and you want to cut the cord and watch more of the beautiful game, NGSN may be the online streaming service you're looking for, FreeSoccerTrial.com. With NGSN, you get live, legal, and on-demand access to matches from the Eredivisie, J-League from Japan, K-League from Korea, Argentina's Primera Division, Portugal, Ecuador, Russian Premier League, as well as leagues from Bolivia, Venezuela, and more. The two for five dollar deal at Burger King just got hotter. That's right. We just spiced it up with the new
3: extra long jalapeno cheeseburger. Feel the flame with two all beef patties side by side stacked with fiery jalapenos. They're like little green firecrackers exploding in your mouth. Oh, yeah. Did we mention you can get two sandwiches at Burger King for just five bucks? But if that's too much fire for one mouth, you can mix and match with a Big King, Big Fish or original chicken sandwich only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price participation may vary. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii.
4: Nate Aberea back here with Jimmy Conrad on World Soccer Talk Radio. All right, Jimmy, we talked all about the club career in the last segment. Let's move Wait in. Can, to... I,
2: can I cut you off really quick and just say that that one commercial, freesoccertrial.com, is hypnotizing? Uh, I've never wanted to watch Korean and before, and now I feel like <laughs> i should. And And, like, and then when he says cheers at the end of saying com like 17 times, it's kind of freaky. But I now now I remember it. So come oh, on, on. I was just I want to watch K League. Well, hey, I, I just I, I, we we will
4: pass that on uh, to the gaffer himself. The gaffer recorded that spot, and so cheers it to was, you, it was like, Christopher Harris.
2: He's reading it so slow. i It makes me nervous. But like I now it makes me nervous that I kind of want to watch the K League. So whatever it's doing, whatever it's doing to my brain, it's working. Just can tell it's working.
4: All right. Well, I look forward. we we'll, hopefully we'll have a pint sometime soon. We'll watch some uh, some K League soccer. I look forward That'd to be it. Jimmy. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. All right, so you, you, you segued into this perfectly. Talked about the U.S. debut back in 2005. It was in the Gold Cup group stage against Cuba. I, I believe, yeah. if my memory serves me correctly, uh, that game was in Seattle, if, if I'm That's not right. mistaken. That was. That's all right, I remember that quite well. Yeah. Um, what, do you, what do you remember about that game, your debut with the U.S. men's national team and the, and the crazy road that got you there?
2: I remember uh, being a very late bloomer, so that was my first cap, and I was 28. And that's pretty late to get your first cap. I was very excited, very nervous, uh, obviously. And, and, you know, I know Landon uh, from a very, very long time. And, and, you know, he was a good calming influence for me in in that game, Um, especially going out onto the field because I I couldn't breathe. I was like shaking because this is what I'd always wanted. This is what I'd always worked for. And this is what people told me I wasn't good enough to do. And uh, to have that opportunity to not only shut people up, but to prove that I could play at that level, even though it was only Cuba. Um, it was a big moment for me, and we went out, and we, were out, we played in the back three. I love the back three. It just follows me everywhere. But I played in the middle, <laughs> and I had Tony Santa on my left and Frank Davis on my right, and Bruce was the coach. But we had we, whoever was playing, I can't remember who was playing out wide right, but they would kind of drop off into a back four if we needed it based on where the ball was being positioned. And, and we gave up a goal 15 minutes in, and I was like, there's no way in my first cap I'm going to lose to Cuba. I just can't believe it. I just can't believe we're going to lose to Cuba. But Clint, Clint scored in his first cap. And Dempsey uh, right before halftime, which was nice, kind of alleviated some pressure. So it was one-one at half, and then we 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 steamrolled them in the second half, and I think I ended up winning four-one. But yeah, it was a big thrill um, just to kind of get that down and, and dust it. And then a year later, I was starting in the World Cup, which uh, is pretty pretty crazy.
4: Well, let's let's get right into that because what I want to know it, when you look back on it, and and maybe kind of going back to the moment when you first found out that you were in the World Cup squad in '06, you call yourself a late bloomer. You're 28 years old when you get your first cap. You're playing in the '05 Gold Cup, and then suddenly a year later, wow, I'm I'm on the World Cup team. I mean, what was the yeah. reaction like for you when you got that World Cup uh, news back in '06? Well,
2: yeah, I mean, I was I was surprised that I wasn't because I thought I had put together a lot of solid performances. I've proven to Bruce and Glenn Myronick, uh Mooch, and Curtin, also the staff, that, that um, they could count on me in any different capacity. I was really taking a lot of pride in, okay, if they need me off the bench, I'll be ready in a pinch. They want me to start, I'll be ready and do my job. Um, I'll be a good teammate if I don't play. You know and I really wanted to make sure I was pretty much the best teammate of all time and could be available to them in any role and, and not have any drop-off mentally. Um, um, because of that. Because some guys who were used to starting that didn't start, they would take it a little bit harder. So I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be uh, a guy that was causing any trouble. And I thought I could get a lot of good performances. through will qualifiers? I only played in one, but I sat on the bench for pretty much all of them. And uh, I knew that I had done enough to warrant consideration. And there was this list of, like, 30 journalists that had to pick the roster. And only one out of 30 journalists picked me to be on it, and it was Marcelo Balboa. He's like, oh, you were an easy, and he said you were an easy pick for me. And I thanked him afterwards. He said it was easy because I could see how Bruce and the staff were positioning you, and how vital you were going to be to them in, in any kind of situation. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to do. So it was cool for another former U.S. center back to kind of see how I was playing, and he thought I did quite well. And, and when I got named to the team, uh, the maybe like two or three hours prior, that's when um, AOL instant messaging was big. So I was uh, AOL or IA, I don't know, into messaging with Landon, and I am obviously super nervous. I don't know if I'm going to get a call from Sam from Perkins, who was kind of doing that stuff for the, the general manager of the national team or if Bruce was going to call or what. And then, you know, we find out that Bruce is going to announce the team on Center. I'm like, just tell me already, you know. So, uh, so I can just my heart can break slowly in the privacy of my own home. Well, Landon sends me an IM. He's like, hey, man, I got great news. And I wrote back, I, I didn't know how to write back, or I – kinda of waited, do I write back right now? Do I tell him whatever? So I write back, so what do you got? He goes, I just saved a bunch of money um, uh, on my car insurance by switching to Geico. And I just wanted to like punch that dude in the face. That's such a dick move, you know. So but I think he already knew that I was going to be on the team, but I you know, he just didn't want to say or whatever, I don't know. But so I got named on the team and and my phone had never blown up like that before and and obviously very, very proud. And my parents are very proud. And again it was just another moment where I proved to myself and proved a lot of people wrong that didn't think I was capable of doing that or getting to that level. But I don't think anybody expected me to play. And what's funny is when you're a player, you're like, oh, it's so amazing to get named to the World Cup team. But after a month of killing yourself in a pre-World Cup camp, like, you know what? It'd be kind of cool to play, actually, get into the game and say I played in a World Cup, not just made the team. And that fortunately happened for me when I got to play against Italy and then started against Ghana. And I thought I held my own, and and that was. That was really all I was trying to achieve. Obviously, we want to win the game, but from an individual basis, like I just want to be able to prove to myself and to everybody that I can hold my own at the highest level. And, well, and Jimmy, Jimmy,
4: we again. uh, we, you, you say that you were willing to do anything for that team, willing to come on off the bench, willing to start. We you right, actually yeah. got to do both uh, in in that group stage, obviously playing the full ninety in the uh, the third match against Ghana. But the one I want to talk to you about is one of my favorite games in in U.S. men's national team history. We recently had uh, uh, Brian McBride here on the show, and I love. I asked Brian, how would you describe uh, that USA Italy game? And that was, of course, the game where Brian had his face cracked open yeah, right, by Paulo right. D'Arazi and and Brian just kind of goes through the whole game, and he goes, Nate. It was a roller coaster. That's all I remember. Yeah. It, was just, it was a roller yeah. coaster. When you, you think back to that game, I mean, what, what are, how would you describe that USA-Italy 1-1 draw back in 06? I mean,
2: I would say it was courageous um, for a number of reasons because we got our ass kicked against uh, Czech Republic in game one, and we knew that we had to put a good performance together, not just to survive, to have a chance in that last game against Ghana to maybe go through the group, but also to prove to ourselves and our fans that, that we wanted to, borrow a phrase from Dumb and Dumber, to totally redeem ourselves and to put out a performance that, that the fans could be proud of, no matter the result. We just didn't think that what we put together for the Czech Republic, I think people can handle losses if you put out a performance that, like, our guys gave it their all, and today this game was a little bit short. But in that game, not only did we come up short, we just kicked our ass. So in almost like every part of the game, and, and I remember Bruce being very, very upset about it. And I think there was something about us that we wanted to prove and show just to our fans and to ourselves that, that we're capable of playing with whoever and there's nobody better at trying to prove that than Italy. I remember before the game, you know, we're doing the scouting report in Italy. Or, you know, we're, we were talking about how big Czech Republic was because they had all these big guys, and Jan Kohler up top is like a monster and all these guys, and, yeah, they were a pretty big team. Well, Italy's going to be a little smaller. Well, I remember coming out in the tunnel going, these, these effing dudes are not small. I mean, <laughs> these guys are brick houses. Like, this is, a, this is a joke, right? And then you got the smallest guy, Conavarro. He might be 5'10, but he's stocky and he can probably jump. He's like a 40 inch Bert, you know? So it's not like he's. Anyway, I was like, God damn it, these guys are big. But, so um, uh, yeah, it was just a great performance. We got a little unlucky, you know, with the red cards. And, and I don't think the ref, being there on the field and being very close to the situation, when the ref gave the second yellow to Eddie Pope to get him right after halftime. I don't think he remembered that he already gave him a yellow. Because if he had, I don't think he would have given it to him. Um, because it was so early in the half, and it was just kind of at midfield, not that big of a deal. And, but they, he'd already, he looked at his book afterwards, and like, I've got to throw you out now. So that really obviously changed the complexity of the game. I had eaten a Gatorade bar at halftime. I am thinking, okay, if I get in this game, I just got to have some energy for like five minutes. You know, I'm always just trying to prepare myself, be ready for any moment. And like three minutes after halftime, they're telling me to warm up. I mean, I didn't even need to warm up. My my adrenaline just shot right through the roof. I don't the Gatorade bar. I guess it helped. I don't know. But I got in that game and it was it was surreal. We had a Clive Charles is a very uh, popular coach uh, in U.S. soccer circles for for a number of years and assistant on the national team for a long time. Not in this particular team, but he said something to our team prior to leaving for Germany. Said you know when you get into the World Cup and you're there, just take a moment to smell the grass, to look at the people, the, to the lights, and just take a look around and really absorb that moment because you'll never forget it. So when I got into the game, I did that, and and I'm glad I did because it's so real to me now. I do some thinking about it, and I remember looking around, going, you know, this is just like a glorified mentally league game with just a lot of people watching, you know. <laughs> and, and and I was so nervous, like that kind of mindset really like relaxed me just to think, hey, you know what, this is just another game. Obviously, there's Del Piero, that's pretty awesome, and there's Pirlo, that's pretty sweet, and there's Alessandro Nesta, who I really try to model my game after. But that's no big deal. Let's just play, you know. So. Uh, it, it was it was really interesting to how much I relaxed in such a big moment. Whereas, you know, if I hadn't been prepared or ready for it or hadn't had those moments to really think through what was happening, I could have been a little more frantic and a little bit uh, insecure because the moment was so big. And my parents were in the stands and all that other good stuff that like, that people don't really factor in when they're just watching players. Like they're not human beings when you're watching them, um, and there's so much of the human element that plays into it.
4: Well, uh, hey, Jimmy, we got, we got like 45 seconds here before we got to head to break. So right. real quickly, I, I, I think back to that, and obviously the U.S. went out in the group stage and, and lost, lost to, to the Czech Republic, lost to Ghana, but that draw against Italy, you guys were the only team to take anything away from Italy in that entire World Cup. What does that mean to you, looking back on that? And again, we got about 30 seconds here before we're going to head to break.
2: Are you just trying to tell me I'm long-winded? I know, I, I talk a lot. Um, I, I, <laughs> um, I, I think that's how we roll. You know, I think we just rise to the level of the of the team, and and but it was a, it was a great achievement, and and something we can look back on. With any kind of silver lining about the 2006 World Cup is that we we took some points off the eventual world champions.
4: You you are are kind of long winded, but not nearly as long winded as yours. Truly, I get yelled at by my engineers every <laughs> show, and so I've got to get to break right here so they don't. Don't hurt me. Please, Dom, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. All right, me and Jimmy Conrad, we're back after this on World Soccer Talk Radio right here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. I promised a trip to Glendale, Arizona in February 2007. We're going there on the other side of this break. Golazo, golazo, golazo. Uno cero para Estados Unidos. We're back after this. Conradino is going to enjoy this.
0: I don't like sit-down dinners. I don't go to sit-down strikes.
1: I like standing room only. And I don't ride bikes. This pretty bad song is by a guy with pretty bad hemorrhoids. He needs Preparation H relief with a power of two. First, use fast-acting Preparation H medicated wipes. Then, longer-lasting Preparation H maximum strength cream. Let's sit together on the porch swing. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use directed.
3: And try specially formulated medicated
1: wipes for women. We
6: all know healthcare has changed drastically. It's quite the puzzle to sort through your options and find a health insurance plan that's affordable and maximizes your benefits.
3: Protective Insurance Specialist is a referral service that connects you to a licensed agent. Availability, waiting periods, and limitations vary by state. Not major medical. Certain plans require association membership.
0: After my husband passed away, we couldn't pay the mortgage, make car payments, or pay bills. Sometimes even having enough food was a problem. All of a sudden, our financial security, gone.
3: You've made plans for the future. College for the kids. Retirement. Have you thought of the unexpected curves life can throw at you? Ask yourself, what if... 800
0: Football season is back, and this time around, it's all about you, the fan. Thanks to Rabble.tv, now you can call the action for your favorite college and pro teams for free. It's your team, so why not give fans your call? Just mute your TV and provide your own play-by-play or armchair commentary. With Rabble.tv, you can create and enjoy sports broadcasts created by fans on your desktop, through your iOS or Android app, or through your mobile browser. We want to hear you watch the game. So blitz the booth this football season and go to Rabble.tv to schedule a broadcast.
4: Broadcast today. Nate Abareya back here with you on World Soccer Talk Radio, joined by Jimmy Conrad, and it is now time to head to Glendale, Arizona, February 2007. Jimmy, just give me a second here. I'm gonna I'm gonna paint a little picture. It's nil nil. There's a packed crowd, 90% Mexican fans in Arizona on a Wednesday night back in February 2007. It's the 52nd minute. Nil-nil, corner to the USA. It's floated yet slightly whipped out swinging off the right foot of a man by the name of Landon Donovan. The ball's in midair. I'm going to hit the pause button. Jimmy Conrad, would you care to take us through the rest of this?
2: Yeah, so I um, was making – I talked to Carlos Bocanegra. He was making runs with me. He said he wanted to go near post. So I went right off the back and then kind of cut to go to the back post. And uh, Carlos Salcido was, was marking me. Uh, when the ball came in, I think he didn't see it initially, then he misjudged it. And I thought, uh, okay, I've got a good beat on this. I feel like my feet are, I didn't have to jump for this one. And I was going to head it back across to where Clint, Dempsey, and then Carlos were kind of hanging out the near post and maybe they could have a little layup and, and, and dunk it in, as it, as it were. And then um, they didn't have anybody on the post, in the back post, and Sanchez wasn't sliding over. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to torpedo header this thing. I think that was a famous uh, Jack Edwards call. And ESPN. <laughs> oh, look at that torpedo header. So I'm going to torpedo header this one, and, I mean, I don't think I've hit a better standing header in my whole life. Uh, I, I hit it really clean, and it, and it hit the back of the net, and I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, you visualize those moments. You, you know, you work through it so that, you know, you're ready for that when it happens, and, and it happened and, and made the most of it. And then I didn't even know how I celebrated. I did some crazy celebration that I would never do ever again. But um, it stays with me. And people talk to me about it still. And it was, a, it was a really cool moment. We went up one nothing. obviously scoring a goal against rivals. Uh, it is a big deal. And, and uh, Jared Borghetti, the forward the striker from Mexico, was talking to me earlier. And I don't know if I can say it, but I just said it uh, twice. And um, he, he was talking trash to me at the beginning of the game because I missed the pass. I probably shouldn't have missed. He was laughing at me a little bit. So it was nice to get a little bit of redemption there. And I, I reminded him of that later in the game.
4: All right, Jimmy, when you look when, – when you think back to the, one of my favorite moments within the moment – was Osvaldo Sanchez, with no one covering that post, he dives for it. he doesn't slide over quick enough, you beat him, and it's Sanchez grabbing the netting of the goal and just gritting his teeth and yanking like <laughs> he's going to tear the net down. When you think back to seeing Osvaldo Sanchez down on the ground, rip, wanting to rip the net out as he grits his teeth, how, how much does that satisfy you? Because it satisfies That's me, it. And I'm not even the one who yeah. scored the header.
2: Well, it's very satisfying because I know he's upset I know why he's upset, because he didn't slide over and cover. He gave me that spot and basically dared me to head it where I headed it, not thinking that I was either capable of it or just that there's no way he's going to do it, and I did it. So that's what was probably satisfying I mean, obviously, from a, from a rival perspective. Um, they had some good opportunities that game. Tim Howard made a lot of good saves. So they're, they're, It was one of those – I think we're in the midst of always beating them 2 nothing, no matter how the game played out. We were just always going to beat them 2 nothing. And it was playing out again for them. So I mean, I'm sure there's some layers to his frustration, but I think mainly it was because he should have slid over and he didn't.
4: Jimmy, be honest with me how how often do you watch that goal?
2: <laughs> well, I got the rights to it from U.S. Soccer, um, <laughs> so I could replay it over and over and over for Kick TV, and so I could brainwash uh, the masses, uh, the people that watch our channel. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I've definitely created my own uh, cult regarding uh, regarding that, but I don't watch too much. Um, I've seen it so many times it's just I don't need to see it again. But but it was a really cool moment and, and my, my my club soccer coach, nobody from my family I grew up in LA, none of my none of my family drove up to the game to go see it, but one person, my, my old youth soccer coach, who I hadn't seen in a long time. He was there. He really wanted to go out there and, and check out the game. And it was really cool to have him there and to be able to talk to him about it afterwards and for him to be in the stands when I did that. So that was little special moments, you know, like I said earlier, like these real a human moments that, that you don't really ever factor into it when you're watching you know, your favorite team play on TV or you know any of those little things that, that do play into your performance. And, and as much as you think you can block some of that stuff out, and I think 95% of it you do, but, but sometimes some of those plays you make do mean more because there's some special people in the stands that have been cheering you on or you have a story that, that uh, it means a little bit more to be on the field or whatever it may be.
4: Well, uh, if you're a fan of uh, of Spanish language uh, goal calls, there's two great Spanish language goal calls uh, for this goal that we're referencing. There was the the live call from the great Pablo Ramirez uh, on Univision, the golazo, golazo, golazo de Conrad, and then there was another one uh, done by Jimmy Conrad on Kick TV. Be sure to uh, YouTube that one. Surely enjoyed that one. Now I, I gotta ask you something real quick before we talk. I want to end by talking to you about your work at Kick TV and your transition into the media world and and how much you seem to enjoy that. I want to ask you kind of a serious question about your time with the US Men's National Team, more about your pathway to the US men's national team. You talked about yourself as a as a late bloomer. You're 28 years old by the time you get your first call up and it was never something that that was a given by any stretch of the imagination. You played college soccer. You were a, 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 an undrafted by by MLS guy. You went into the Project 40 system. You had a short loan spell in Poland. You worked your way through the San Jose Clash and the Earthquakes and and got with Kansas City and and then the national team comes. We had Jay Merritt on recently, and everybody knows Jay Demerit's story, and I love h- looking at your story career-wise and how hard you had to work to get a call-up, just to get that first call-up yeah. to the men's national team. When you look at the current situation with Jurgen Klinsmann and how there's almost players that are, that are being begged to come and, and play for the national team, and, and I don't want to point any fingers directly at the likes of Julian Green or anybody else specifically, but kind of in a broader scope, do you at all have any issue with, with the way that guys are coming into the U.S. men's national team these days when you look back to the way that, that you had to do it? Um, no, I don't, I don't think I have a tip on
2: my shoulder with regard to that. I'm all for whoever the national team coach is in broadening the player pool. But I don't know if, let's say Julian Greens, uh, for example, you know, it felt like we guaranteed him a World Cup spot to make sure that he played for the U.S. And, you know, People could say otherwise, but that's what it looks like, and that's what it feels like, that's what it tastes like. And I don't know if that's the way the national team should be used. I think it, it should be um, a team that, that people want to die for and that people want to, that might be fit strong, but that people will do anything to, to be a part of. And I don't know, I necessarily think we've lost our way with regard to that, but, but uh, it, it, I don't know if they're, I don't know, it's really hard to explain, and I'm trying to do my best here. I do appreciate, again, back to the player pool and broadening the player pool. Uh, you're giving a lot of guys. Like if, if, if I had been coming up at this point, I think Jurgen probably would have given me a chance. I don't know if I would have been ready for it because when I was at 28 and 20 or 27 when I got into my first national team camp, I knew exactly what I had to do to make the team. Um, there was no, like, oh, well, you know, like, oh, let's take back to them. When I won my first MLS Cup, I was 23. I'm like, I'm going to win, like, six more. of these, No problem because it just felt like oh, this is how it always is, and you're always going to have a great season, and I never won an MLS Cup after that. And I think when you, you can't really appreciate it when you're a young player. You're like, oh, yeah, this is supposed to be. You know, I'm a good player. I should get a national team thing. And I didn't have that same thing, and I had to work very hard, similar to Jada Merritt, to even get a sniff. Um, and I had to deal with a lot of adversity along the way, so when that adversity showed up and I wasn't getting an opportunity, uh, I kept pushing and kept pushing and kept pushing, That I just wanted a chance. And if they let me have a chance, if I could just get into that January camp, People cheapen that that January camp now. They call it Camp Cupcake. And I think that's a, that makes me upset, to be honest. I feel like it's a lot of disrespect for the players that now they have actually three weeks to impress the coaches. If I didn't have three weeks to impress the coaches, I don't know if I would have made the team. But they got to see me on a daily basis. They got to see how I interacted. They saw what kind of teammate I was, how much work I put into it, how much time I put into my own game, how I helped others. And I don't know if I could have done that if it was just around the three days for a World Cup qualifier in the middle of wherever. And so I, I, I always get a little, like, that's why I get a little chip on my shoulder about this Camp Cupcake thing, because they're really cheapening a great opportunity for some players to really plant seeds to Jurgen or whoever the coaching staff is about why they should be considered in the future. And, and so I'm kind of going off on a tangent there. But um, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's really hard to say. I, I do appreciate that you brought into the player pool, but it seems like since the player pool is so big and everybody's going to get an opportunity – then it maybe takes away from the fact that when you do finally get that one opportunity that you've been pushing for for so many years, that you're going to make the most of it. And there's some players like Mike McGee, let's say, or Dax McCarty, who they probably should have gotten a sniff or more longer of a look at the national team, but just never got it. If they got back in now, they would appreciate it. Oh, I mean, I can't even imagine how much they would appreciate a real opportunity to, to make a difference with the national team. As opposed to like, well, let's just, well, Julian Green, I guess, I guess we want to try to swing him to come with us. You know, so we'll do everything we possibly can, it and like, it just doesn't mean as much to him. And so, yeah, we have to be careful in how we how we approach players and, and really find out how much it means to them to represent our country.
4: Well, absolutely, and and two words that that come out there: earning and valuing. Earning it and valuing it, I think, is really what it comes down to. And uh, let's not let's not even get Eric Winalda started on this topic because you were and Eric went on for about an hour about it back in uh, I think it was oh, yeah, yeah. When we had Eric on the show. So hey, I, I want to talk <laughs> with you in the in the four four minutes four and a half minutes we got left here with you, Jimmy. How did Kick TV come about? Because you seem to make such a seamless transition from your playing career to this this world of media. You call yourself a faux <laughs> journalist. I think you're a fantastic yep. journalist. I think in this day oh, and age, you. you're you're a fantastic journalist. How did Kick TV come about? Yeah, good question. So
2: this was 2012, or at the end of 2011, Google was kind of hinting that they were going to put a lot of money into de- developing original content, like like 100. It was called like the 100 million dollars into 100 channels initiative or whatever. And so Kick TV um, kind of fell into MLS's lap. They're like, yeah, sure, we'll house it. You know, Google's going to fund it for the first year. Um, and so the people here at MLS are like, wow, we've got to find some talent to drive this. Jimmy just retired. You know, I'd done some stuff for Fox. It felt a little bit out of sorts wearing a suit and only be able to talk like 20 seconds. As You know, I'd like to talk. Or if you didn't know that, you know now. <laughs> and, and so YouTube was a better platform for me. I didn't know that at the time because I'm like, I don't know whole YouTube stuff, it's a, it's, it definitely skewers younger. I just go watch the cat videos or whatever, and, <laughs> and, but I knew that I was going to get a lot of repetitions. And kind of harkening back to my playing days, repetitions is where it's at. So if I'm going to get better at this craft, I need to be in a situation where I can practice every day, and this was going to provide that. I was going to have to move from L.A. to New York City, but that wasn't too daunting, and New York City is a cool place to live and, and it felt like an adventure. So after year one, we had a lot of success, and Google – reinvested out of the hundred channels they reinvested in five. We were one of the five. And so we got a lot of boost confidence in that and, and we kind of stretched out the budget of those two years and it's kind of like two and a half, three years. And it just took off. You know, we found we found our voice. It took us a little bit oh, it took us a little while, but we started to kind of package news in a more fun and entertaining way and more engaging way. And I know that YouTube and or slash Google used us as kind of a test thing, or would put us in their like their conferences or whatever their um, PowerPoint presentations about how we engage people and how we get so many likes and so many comments on our videos, just basic videos. But what we've done and what we figured out is that we created a platform for this younger generation of people who go to YouTube for all their information to talk about the game. You know, and not only do that, we we do like I'll have an Anthony Bourdain type travel show, get to the best rivalries, or I'll go to all the top events. And you'll get to see what it looks like to be there um, through my eyes or, or with me. You just get to come with me for these things. And, and it's been a really neat science experiment. You know, we just we rolled over a million subscribers about three or four months ago. It's a big milestone on, on, in the YouTube space. And we're excited about what we're going to go next. We just got sold to a, a U.K. outfit, and you know, they have visions of grandeur, just like I do. You know, our, our kind of tagline is total world domination. So we um, are just thinking about really fun ways to engage all different audiences around the world and to use what we've learned so far to help kind of uh, strengthen some of our ideas going forward and then as we get maybe some more investment money to take some bigger risks um, down the line. So it should be a lot of fun. We're, We're enjoying ourselves. We don't know what the hell we're doing half the time. But I think that's part of our charm. I really think that's part of our charm. It really,
4: it really is part of the charm. It's fun. It's entertaining. And in the uh, under 90 seconds that we have left here, I want to reference one of my favorite Kick TV segments. It was a 15-minute Q&A uh, with Jimmy Conrad. It included the uh, Spanish-language play-by-play of the goal against Mexico. It included you doing a cartwheel in a dress, uh, farting on your co-workers. You made a uh, salami and peanut butter sandwich. And then, best of all, you twerked. For Rachel Bonetta. in the now sixty seconds that we have left uh, here before we got to let you go, Jimmy, what was it like twerking for Rachel Bonetta?
2: Oh, it was a dream come true. You know, I played like it wasn't a big deal, but I have this blue speedo you know, that I really, I really enjoy wearing, and uh, to be able to do it in front of an audience, um, especially as someone as special as Rachel Bonetta, was a was a big thrill and and uh, really funny to shoot. You know, I wish we'd just—you should see the bloopers for all that stuff. Really funny too.
4: Oh, please, please send them send them my way. I'll, I'll give you my email when we're when we're uh, when we're off air. Uh, hey Jimmy, Jimmy, it has been a pleasure and a privilege having you on the show. You are welcome back anytime, sir, and uh, best of luck moving forward with all that's going on there uh, with Kick TV. Really appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Again, that was Jimmy Conrad, aka Conradinho, right here on World Soccer Talk Radio, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Back after this, taking the express train home. Stay with us.
0: Today, more than ever, Americans need a means to protect their life savings. With a troubled economy and government spending out of control, they've been forced to promote loose money policies, which decreases the value of the dollar and promotes inflation. Birch Gold Group can help you protect your savings by rolling over all or a portion of your IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by physical gold. Take advantage of the best gold prices in years and enjoy the long-term hedge against inflation that gold provides by moving into a gold IRA from Birch Gold group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Call Birch Gold Group today for a free consultation on how a tax-free rollover to a gold IRA can offer stability, protection, and the peace of mind that your life savings, which you've worked so hard to build, is safe. Call 888-221-0010 and receive Birch Gold's free information kit, which offers the best kept secrets for safeguarding your savings with gold. Call 888-221-0010. That's 888-221-0010.
4: World Soccer Talk Radio, back here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Another huge thanks out to Jimmy Conrad, one of the best defenders in Major League Soccer history, a U.S. men's national team World Cup veteran, affectionately known nowadays as Conradinho, and again, how beautiful that Jimmy played the majority of his MLS career with San Jose in Kansas City. Who's matching up head-to-head tonight? The San Jose Earthquakes and Sporting KC, or as I like to call that matchup, the Clash and the whiz. that's right, the SJ Clash and the KC Wiz. Hopefully we'll have some torpedo headers within that game. Hambone, got to love it. Hey, Manchester City have steamrolled past their opponents, West Brom and Chelsea, both by 3-0 scorelines in their opening two matches in the Premier League. And now this Sunday, City heads to Goodison Park to take on Everton. World Soccer Talk Radio listeners, I want you to join Chris Harris and Cardiff Chris Neier on Rabble.tv during that Everton City match with Rabble concept is simple all you got to do tune into the tv broadcast press the mute button head over to rabble listen to chris and kardik sharing their spot-on analysis with rabble you can listen to their broadcast on your desktop ios app and not through your mobile browser plus join in it's the best part talked about this with gary hayes the other day best part of rabble is the questions and observations section be a part of these broadcasts get at Chris and Cardick, let them know what you think of the broadcast, what you want more of. Get at them, be a part of this thing, or create your own broadcast. Call one of your team's games. It's easy. It's Rabble. You gotta love it. Join Chris, join Cardick on Rabble this Sunday, 1045 a.m. Eastern Time here in the U.S. of A. Rabble.tv, where it's your team. And your call. For the aforementioned gaffer Christopher Harris, the producer in San Francisco, Dom Jimenez, my name is Nate Abarea. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Keith Costigan with us tomorrow. We'll talk then.
5: Cheers.